And one of the other things that we say is that nobody ever quits sky heating. They fire us. And as soon as you change that mentality and say that employees didn't quit you, they fired you as the, the owner, you suddenly realize that you need to look at it in a different perspective because we as the owner can be fired. What's up out there, Contractor Momentum community? You know, I often use the line, you have to be the company people want to work for. That's the magic sauce behind finding and retaining great people in any trade. Our guest today has done just that, Travis Smith of Sky Heating and Cooling in the Portland, Oregon area. Over the last 10 years, he's molded his company into one of the best employers in the HVAC industry. In this episode, he tells us all about the benefit package he offers his employees and his philosophy behind being the best employer. If you have any questions for Travis or myself after listening to this episode or want further details about anything we discussed in this podcast, look for the link to the Facebook group, The Contractor Momentum Lounge. Head on over there, drop a new post, at tag myself or Travis. Now, I actually forgot to click the record button, so we missed the first 20 seconds or so of the podcast recording and jump into Travis telling us a bit about how he got started in the HVAC industry. Here we go. It was Wednesday that he said that, and I said, all right, I'll come to work on Monday. So I show up to work on Monday and I, I get a beat up old truck and it's, it's the uphill on the snow both ways story, but it literally was a hundred degree day, which we just don't have those in Oregon. We had a hundred degree day and I was thrown out in the field in a truck with no air conditioning, no tools, no sunscreen and said, why didn't you bring water and why didn't you bring a lunch? <laughs> so I thought I was driving the delivery truck and he goes, no, that job was filled that afternoon. You're now an installer and went out installing flex duct in new construction homes and being somebody that did, you know, kind of plugged things into the wall in the past or built computers, being able to stand back and see that HVAC system come to shape in a house that would be standing for who knows hundreds of years. And knowing that the ductwork we put in the system we put in would last for a long time gave me a different sense of pride and accomplishment. And there were definitely struggles as there always is installing heating systems in warm weather and 150 degree attics. Absolutely. But I realized that this was probably a better thing to be doing. And, and as I went through that journey, I became service manager, went into sales, then sales manager, and then started to buy out my father in the, the late, I think it was 2009 range, all the way up to 2015 when I, I fully bought out the company. It was not inherited. It was not given to me, as some people have said. I paid probably a little more than what the company was worth with interest to be able to purchase the company. So that was 2009. Now it was, it had actually been started back in 79, I think you said, right? Correct. So that yep. was, so we just celebrated our 30th year in business and now celebrated our 40th year in business. So over that first 30 years, you guys were primarily a commercial contracting business at that point, right? Working primarily for the general contractors, the general contractors, new home builders, those types of operations. There wasn't really a ton of service going on at Sky Heating for the first 30 years. <laughs> no. We were definitely a new construction company. At our peak, we were doing, I think it was 33 new home starts in a week. We also didn't have a service department. So when I said I was hired as service manager, maybe it was a slightly incorrect title. I was called the service manager, but I oversaw one warranty tech and would order parts for new construction, order all the jobs for new construction at the time. So we'd order, you know, five, 10 jobs per day, depending on the day. And then I'd schedule four warranty calls. And with that, we started a maintenance program. We started a flat rate program. And amazingly enough, learned that sometimes if we took a service call, we could turn it into a new install and slowly started that tech turnover process. Although it wasn't until about last year that we really started to gain momentum and hit a proper tech turnover process. What did your tech turnover look like before and what does it look like now? 
back then it was like, hey, this guy has got a 30-year-old system. I think he should replace it. And so I, as the service manager, would get on the phone. I'd pull up some pricing and try and sell it over the phone and occasionally drive out to their house. No sales process, you know, no real yeah. anything. It was just kind of a, gosh, this customer shouldn't be fixing it. Maybe they should replace it. Whereas now we use Joe Crisara's process. We offer six options. We talk to them about all the different ways they could repair it and, and both long-term and short-term cost, and then provide them another six options for replacement with an actual pod leader who worked with the service tech to discuss all the options and make sure that it's always the customer's choice first and that we never recommend anything that, that they don't need. So you've had to get some sales training, obviously, for your service techs. Before we go down that wormhole, you know, you take over the business that was doing commercial or new home building, I call it, or new installs, essentially. What would you call it? What would you say your kind of business model was when you took it over in 2009? Yeah, it was uh, new construction new and add-on air conditioners because being in Oregon, an air conditioner is not a standard feature on a new home. So we put the furnace and the ductwork in, mm -hmm. and then we would really work hard on putting a sticker on that furnace so they would call us to add on the air conditioner. So our retrofit replacement department consisted of going out to a home that we did the heating system on for the builder and then adding an air conditioner on for the new homeowner. And that slowly transitioned into retrofit replacement business model, which we do zero new construction and zero commercial work today. So why did you make that shift? I mean, did that, did that shift in business model kind of, you know, just come about through business progression and evolution? Or was that something that you consciously implemented and, and kind of steered the course towards and away from, you know, the, the yeah. new home? Uh, we consciously implemented it. My father was still very new construction based, but as we saw the downturn coming, we went from our peak of 33 new homes in a week to within two short years, only getting 38 new home contracts that entire year. And that was the year that I took over service manager and started getting into sales. So we, we knew we needed to switch. I went to some sales classes. Pat McCormick at the time taught me just the basics of air quality and selling. We went to a lot of BDR classes, which they're based out of Seattle, so about three hours north of us. And BDR kept talking about the retrofit replacement model, the retrofit replacement model. And as our sales started to grow on retrofit replacement, because all we were doing at the time was base model furnaces, base model air conditioners, we started selling some high efficiency and realizing that there's definitely something to this. And then we started getting into geothermal, but mostly putting geothermal into new homes versus into existing homes and really ramping up on that side. And once we got more replacement work, it very quickly started to change as we grew out of the recession. We grew from being new construction replacement to very quickly new construction was down here and replacement was up here, partially by design, but also partially because of what was left on the new construction side. Gotcha. So new construction kind of withered away there through 2008, 2009, 2010. And well, you naturally adapted and kind of shifted gears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the retrofit replacement for me was just a lot more fun and it was getting more difficult to work with builders. Everything came down to price and dollars here, dollars there, whereas we realized in the retrofit replacement, it was more about quality and customer concerns and comfort than a dollar saved. And so we were able to, to really shine because we always did a lot of custom new homes and had custom work and made our own sheet metal, designed all of our ductwork, did load calculations on a lot of the homes, whereas most of the new construction companies didn't. And so yeah. we couldn't really shine in the areas that we were working hard to accelerate at. Gotcha. So let's jump forward a little bit. 2020 today, tell us about your company now. I mean, roughly, you know, how many crews are you running? How many trucks? You know, what does your operation look like today? Today, we are a 100% different operation. As I said, we went from 
at one point, probably 80% of our revenue was new construction. And of that 80% revenue, 75% of it was one single builder. And we lost oh, that wow. builder overnight and transformed. Whereas today we're now about 15 to 20% service and then 75 to 80% replacement. No commercial. We just stopped that earlier this year. No new construction. We stopped that last year so that we're only working with end users. Really won't even do a remodel. We want to be able to work with the actual customer, try and get that system where it's one to two days in and then back out. Two days if we're doing duct work, one day if we're doing a system. So we can get that change out done quick, appropriately, but design it based on duct work needs, comfort. We're fully cloud-based software with Service Titan, which has been such an amazing piece of software getting us to be operationally sound and efficient. We're currently about 35 employees and, and should fall just shy of $10 million this year, if not break it by just a little bit, which is our, our goal. The Oregon market just got hit very, very hard with COVID and slowed down to about 50% of capacity, if that, for most, most contractors in the area. Yes, you guys are pretty pretty good size operation there in Oregon because, you know, I hear you telling me, you know, the the temperature is seventy five degrees or sixty to seventy five. I'm going, man, in Florida, gosh, you know, we we wouldn't even consider air conditioning at that. You know, we would still well, we'd probably turn off the air. So in in a market like that, man, that those are impressive numbers. Yeah, there aren't too many bigger companies, which I'm surprised about because I, I feel that our market could definitely support probably a twenty five to forty million dollar HVAC contractor. It Nobody looks like you really need to fill that out. role. That's what our, our vision statement is. It's on the wall that we will be a $40 million HVAC company and the most recognized brand in our market by 2029. Wow. Okay. So so we're going to have to have you back on this podcast in nine years. And you got to tell me you're doing $40 million a year in revenue at that time. I'm holding you sooner, to it. Maybe 2025. Yeah. Hopefully sooner. You know, so you, you told us kind of early on in the beginning that on day one, you got dumped into an install truck right? With no AC. And let's just say you were lacking many of the comfort amenities that installers today have come to be accustomed to. And that does not sound like the company that is going to win an award by ACHR for best employer in the HVAC industry. So let's talk about the employee perks, the benefits, the compensation. You know, what are you doing? What, what is a company that is the best in the HVAC industry, the best employer, what does that company look like as the employer? Great question. So there's so many things. I and mean, even when we, we won the award, we've improved so much since then. And at the time, we were offering 100% paid health insurance, which we just started that year. And the award that we won was actually from our employees recommending us to the, the magazine. It wasn't something that I applied for. The magazine came to us. It was actually our employees went to them and said, we love working here. We love this place you should you know, talk to the owner about what he's doing. And so they, they got on the phone with me and we went through everything. But so many companies say, oh, we want to have the employee put into health insurance. We want to make sure that they actually want to use it. Yeah, I know, I know that, a lot of companies locally in my area do that. They say, well, we pay health insurance. We have health benefits, but really it's just a health plan that runs through the company that the employees pay for. Correct. And we didn't want to do that because we wanted to make sure that people were secure in their profession and that they didn't have to go home at night worrying about, oh gosh, do I have enough money to, to pay for the surgery? Surprisingly, I think myself, and, and I can say this because it's not a HIPAA violation when it's me, I've probably used the insurance more than anybody between an emergency appendectomy, a kid, and now a double hernia operation all in the past two years. So <laughs> even being younger, uh, well, hopefully younger at 36, I feel, feel older now that I'm seeing so many 25 and 30-year-old people coming into the HVAC industry with dominant positions in their companies, which is great to see. 
know, even in my mid thirties, relatively healthy individual that by, by all aspects, the doctor would say is healthy has now had one planned and three unplanned surgeries where I have to be put under to get operations and things taken care of. So that health insurance is, is vital because otherwise I think that appendectomy when I saw the final bill was like $30,000. Wow. I haven't even got the hernia repair bill, but it's going to be in the probably 15, 20 plus thousand dollar range, the pregnancy, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And I can't imagine somebody needing to pay hundreds of dollars per month to try and get the benefit or having to spend this thousands of dollars out of pocket. And so we wanted to make sure that when it came to their health insurance, they were fully covered, that they didn't have to pay a dime because a healthier worker is also going to show up more often and be able to give it their all to take care of the customer. So 100% that they can, agree, yeah. you know, make sure that that customer is in a good scenario. They're not worrying about their finances back at home and how am I going to pay for this or how am I going to recover to get back to work? They know that the company is going to support them in all of their endeavors. Gotcha. So health insurance, what year did you guys actually implement the health insurance and kind of what went into that decision process? I mean, cause that's, yeah. you're, you're taking on, you know, with health and health insurance rates these days, several hundred dollars, probably a month in cost per employee. Yeah. Well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. So it's not an inexpensive endeavor. Fortunately, we did have health insurance prior, but my dad would always ask for people to put in. So one of the things that I did when I took over in 2015 is I said, that ends, we take care of it all today. So essentially, you all get a raise, you no longer have to put in for health insurance unless you'd like to add you know, a bunch of family members, which we're going to be working on that in the future too, so that you're now fully covered. And if you're not on the plan, jump in, we're going to pay for it. It definitely did increase our cost. And at the time we needed to figure out our financials, we made some mistakes as we said, ah, let's just start adding benefits and didn't fully price those in. But now that we've figured that out, got the proper financials and priced that as part of the job, we're not going to be the lowest cost company in the area, but we are mm -hmm. going to give you the best install with the happiest employee that's ready to be there, that wants to be there. And that's not complaining about their job as they're on site because the last thing we want is a customer that's getting the new air conditioner and the employee's going, oh man, this just sucks. I can't believe I'm yeah. working. The weather's so bad today. They're mm -hmm. like, hope that AC works after we're done. <laughs> you know, you want that guy that shows up at the house with a professional looking attitude and a professional looking appearance so that we have, granted, I'm not wearing company clothing today, but we have full uniforms that we take care of for everybody as well as, as you can see, the vehicles. And one of the, the other key benefits there is that employees get to take these vehicles home at night. So not only is the benefit that they're not paying for gas and wear and tear on their own vehicles, but the additional benefit is that they get home faster because they're not driving from a installation back to the shop to pick up their car, to drive back home and loading and unloading tools. It's just one seamless transition. Sometimes they can drive straight to the job in the morning if they're a service tech. Otherwise, they're coming in to pick up equipment if they're doing install. But once they're done, they just head straight home for the day. They don't need to worry about dropping the vehicle off and that saves them time and gives them more time with their families while saving them cost. Yeah, that, that is a huge, huge perk, letting them take the vehicles home. Have you ever had any problems with that, with letting them take the vehicles homes? Of course. And you know that's something that's going to come up and a lot of it comes down to trust. And we'll jump into our tool policy in a minute because I'm sure everybody is going to wonder about that. And in some cases probably think I'm a little crazy. So hear me out. I assure you we've got great reason for it. And I'd love to have everybody else understand why we do it because I think that's something that we need to look at in our industry as we hear everybody saying, nobody wants to do construction. Nobody wants to do this. By the yeah. way, before you work for me, you better spend $5,000 on tools. <laughs> you have to have your own tools. You have to have your own truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why nobody wants to work in this industry when we make it sound terrible. Yeah. How about we make it sound amazing with a new wrapped lettered vehicle that 
has air conditioning well taken care of that has air conditioning yeah. that has creature comforts that has bluetooth and you know radio systems so they can connect their phones to it and a good image and we you know overall have a, a fairly open policy on that and you know can they joyride the vehicle no can they take it out on weekends no it is just for company usage but we trust what and program we put the trust are you in using? them first what program yeah. are you using for the gps on the trucks so we're using both Fleet Maddox through Verizon as well as the Service Titan integration. So the Service Titan integration is for the customer-facing side and the Verizon Fleet Maddox is for us so that we can see where the vehicles are. If they're speeding, it has alert set up so we can tell if people are driving harshly or if they're driving nicely. Acceleration, so it's checking G-forces and such, are all measured so we can see if one employee is having more issues by by having that harsh driving or if they're having more speeding infractions because the GPS system will say this road's a 65 yeah. mile an hour speed limit. They were going 74 and we have alerts that can alert us if they're going seven miles over or if they're driving the vehicle outside of company hours. We'll get that a notification on our phone so we can say, hey, where are you going? And the last time I can think of a vehicle moving when it wasn't supposed to was like two years ago because we told them very openly, look, we have GPS. It's not to babysit you. It's not to nanny you. It's not only for your protection as it is ours, because it's in one case, it got one of our technicians out of an accident. He was at a dead stop and somebody said they hit him. We were able to pull up GPS logs, show where they were at, show how they were at a dead stop, show the impact because it had the G forces metered on it. And because of it, it saved our employee and made them oh, that's pretty nifty. not have to have an accident on their record. And we were able to go back to the other person and get them to pay for it. So I think next we're, we're going to be looking at some vehicle cameras on the inside so that we can ensure that they are as safe as possible because we do have wonderful safe drivers here. It's the other people that I worry about out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's kind of shift gears back to where we were going here. And that is the benefits. You mentioned tools, right? And you're not mm -hmm. making the employees buy their own tools. So what are you doing in that regard? Well, a lot of this comes back to trust. And this is the area where I think people think that it could be a little crazy, but let me give you a scenario and really think about how you treat your office staff and how you treat your technicians and installers in the field as you go into this. Because the way it was posed to me is somebody came to my office and they said, hey, Travis, my computer broke. I need a new computer. And so I looked at them and you know, very quick said, wonderful, go buy one and bring it from home. That's your responsibility. And they looked at me and were like, what the hell? What snapped with Travis? And I sat there for him and I said, no, I'm just joking. We're, we're going to buy you a computer. I said, but why is it that our office staff that gets to sit in air-conditioned offices answering the phone, able to take breaks, not working in front of customers. Yeah, they got to talk on the phone, but they're not like physically with a customer overlooking yeah. their shoulder as we all know in the trades. That's frustrating, man, when they're just right there over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Wrench slips, they hear it, and then the customer comes over and says, what's going on over here? And you're like, yeah, I just busted my <laughs> knuckles here, and now you want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. yep. Is that blood going to affect the warranty? <laughs> so... We realized that, you know, you put out an ad for a technician and everybody knows you, you put out an ad for a technician, you're going to get nobody responding. It doesn't matter yeah. what your hourly wage is. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but not many people respond. Real talk here, listeners, while we're on the topic of staffing your operation. Most home service contractors don't have the proper systems, procedures, and organization in place for their staff and business to thrive. Because of that, the owner spends their whole day putting out fires and dealing with BS unable to take off more than an hour, not making a good margin after paying themselves a salary, and at the end of it all, they don't have a scalable asset. Is that you? Are you sick of spending your whole day putting out fires, 
not being able to leave for more than a few minutes at a time without shit hitting the fan, losing sleep at night because you're thinking about what's on your plate for tomorrow, not making a good margin after paying yourself a salary. It's time to transform your business and jump into the role of CEO. That's why I put together the Scalable Method, my framework step-by-step to transforming any residential contracting business into a scalable asset. And this isn't just for really small businesses. I know guys doing almost $10 million a year in revenue with dozens of employees that aren't scalable. Look for the link somewhere around this podcast player to download the framework and short training video on it. And if you're interested, the options for working with me personally to implement it in your business. Now let's get back to it with Travis. And everybody knows you, you put out an advert technician, you're going to get nobody responding. It doesn't matter yeah. what your hourly wage is. It doesn't matter a whole lot, but not many people respond. Yet if you put out an ad for a CSR, an office admin, your box you'll is get blowing people up. With, yeah, with, with a, half the wage even. Mm-hmm. You'll get tons of people, 40, 50 plus people applying within days. And I said, you see the problem there? It's ease of access. When somebody comes into the office, they show up with their coffee cup, their purse or wallet and cell phone, and they sit down and everything is provided for them. And we have no problems finding those people. Yet when it's the technicians, we bitch and moan about how we can't find technicians. And then we tell them, by the way, before you become a technician, you better have two to five years experience. You better have a good driving record and you better have at least $5,000 in tools that you're going to break and use and put wear and tear on my jobs. And we're not going to give you a dime for it because you're already well paid. Mm-hmm. And that really doesn't resonate. So as that person came to my office and asked for the computer, I went back to the management team and said, why is it that we buy the tools for our office staff and we have no problems hiring office staff? Yet when it comes to our technicians, they have to buy their own tools and we don't buy them. And they kind of all gave me a blank look and said, because they lose them, because it's expensive, because they wouldn't yeah. take care of them if it was our tool. And I said, what if that was wrong? What if we just put trust in them? And they're like, well, it's your money, not ours. I mean, we, we really would like you to save it so we can use it for good things. But if you see this as valuable, let's go through it. So we went down to a local tool supplier and started picking out everything down to screwdrivers, to tape measures, to you name it. And we wanted to make sure that everybody had the best Milwaukee lithium ion drills. We pulled the people and said, what do you like best? Do you like the DeWalt's? Do you like the Ryobi's? Do you like the Milwaukee? Of course, everybody was mostly, you know, DeWalt or Milwaukee with Milwaukee leading out. What gauges would you buy? And then a couple of days later, we came to them and said, we're, we're buying all the tools for you guys. And they said, oh, okay, thanks, Travis. This will be great to see. And then about a week later, we, we placed our order and showed up with the tools. I think it cost us seventy or $80,000 that week. And they're like, wait, wait, these are digital refrigerant gauges. You, you bought us all lithium-ion drills with extra batteries. And, and these are the nice tools. These are not the Harbor Freight screwdrivers. These are the, <laughs> the high-end ones. Why would you do that? Yeah. I said, well, it goes back to a poor craftsman blames those tools. And I said, if you're going to work here at Sky Heating, we're never going to blame our tools. You can't say, oh, I didn't have the right gauges. Oh, my analog gauges only did so well when it came to starting up that unit, so I had a callback. If we're providing you with digital refrigerant gauges, you better be able to do the best startup. You better have that system working properly with the right vacuum pump, with everything that's needed to do that install. And if it's needed and you don't have it, it's a simple phone call and you say, hey, I don't have this tool because the tool should never be an excuse. And ultimately... Why is it fair to our customers, too, that employee A has Harbor Freight analog refrigerant gauges and employee B invests in himself, took the time to do training, has digital refrigerant gauges the best of the best in tools, and puts in a better system? 
Yeah. McDonald's would never allow that to say, all right, one franchisee is going to have hamburgers that are between 135 and 155 degrees. And this one has 141 degree hamburger. Everything's consistent and we want the same of our installs. Absolutely. That's a great way of looking at it. Great analogy there. And I know I personally see it as frustrating when I talk to business owners that tell their guys, and you've probably heard this, you know, the guy says, you know, I, I don't have a tool for that or my tool stripped, et cetera, whatever the issue is. And then the owner's like, well, figure out a way to make it happen. Right. And then they start trying mm-hmm. to kind of jerry rig their own tools, you know, putting Teflon tape on the inside of a wrench, whatever the heck, you know, the kind of hack is around it. And I'm like, you do realize what you're doing. You're providing, you know, poor service for your customer right here. You're frustrating the hell out of your employee and it's going to take longer than it should have. Right. Yeah why in the hell are you not investing in tools? Tools are the asset. Tools are what makes money. You can't produce a high quality service and a high quality product with junk and you can't expect high quality employees to want to work with, you know, whatever baloney you're spewing off. So tell me how you keep track of the tools and make sure that your guys are not losing them because that is an actual freaking problem, right? Like guys lose tools. Everybody loses. I lose my own tools, right? It's not... It's not a non-existent problem. It's not something that's made up. It will get expensive if you don't keep tabs on it. So what are mm-hmm. you doing you know, to ensure that they're keeping track of it, they're not losing it, they're not destroying it, they're not in worst case pawning it because I've heard of stories with guys doing that stuff, <laughs> right? You know, uh, yes. We've all heard of the... Actually, we haven't heard of these stories. We know about these stories. They've yes, all happened the to us. Yeah, so you know, what, what do you got going on on the back end to make sure that this we provide tools for everyone system is holding up. Okay. Once again, this is where everybody's going to go. This guy is nuts. Very little. Now you're going, why very little? So go back to that. As you're talking about the guys on the phone, his tool stripped, it's not working or he lost a tool. We'll hit both of those scenarios. So if the tool stripped, how much does it cost to have an HVAC service tech out in the field? You know, think about your own labor rate at your company. Is it 100, 200, 300, 400? I know $500 plus per hour service techs in some of the higher cost markets. Yep. Is it really worth it to spend 30 minutes extra when you could have brought in another call? Or is it really worth it for that tech to be like, you know what, why don't you stop and go to Home Depot between your next call and go pick up that tool? Then they're at Home Depot, then they get some snacks, then they look at this, then they dilly-dally, oh, I wanted to get the plant for my yard. There there is no such thing (laughs) as a 30-minute trip to Home Depot, right? Like you always Mm -hmm. hear people say that, like, just run off to Home Depot. It's just going to take you 30 minutes. There is no (laughs) such freaking thing as a 30-minute trip to Mm -hmm. Home Depot. And there's also no such thing as a half-day project. I hear that too. Some people say, you know, it's a half-day project. No, that's going to be a full-day project. There's no such thing as a half-day project or or a 30-minute trip to Home Depot. So, you know, so, all right, so we're counting the costs and how much, you know, costs to keep service tax rolling around in the field. It gets even higher if you factor into the opportunity factor into that, the opportunity cost that would be impacted or the revenue they could be Mm -hmm. earning if they're not dilly-dallying around on a, you know, a three-hour Home Depot trip. Mm -hmm. So keep going with that. So you look at that and you go, all right, if it took just one time per month and I could bill out $200 more, that is $2,400 per year that I could instead put back into that technician that takes away the frustration, that makes our quality better, that makes us more efficient, that makes our customers happier and reduces callbacks, we save well more than $2,400 a year. Now let's take a look at the lost tool analogy. Let's say a technician loses his snips. He's in an attic and he drops them and he can't find them and they're sitting in the insulation in the attic of of John Smith's house. Mm -hmm. What does that technician want to do? 
oh, I don't want to go buy another 30 or $50 pair of snips or tools or whatever it is. So they instead take an hour and a half and they will spend their own time. Now they're going to be very yeah. proud that they spent their own time picking up the phone, calling Mr. Smith, finding time to go there before their next job. And once again, it becomes an hour and a half to two hour long thing. And you end up missing out on another service call, which could have been a turnover opportunity, which could have been a $10,000, $20,000, $5,000, whatever it may be sale, because they wanted to go back and get their $30 tool. When instead it's sometimes just easier to go, look, I have another pair of reds in the office. Here you go. Don't lose this one. Does it cost you 30 bucks? Sure. But I can also assure you that when it comes to vetting employees, because so many people think that their employees are maybe out to get them or take something from them, you very quickly know which ones are team players and which ones aren't. And I would much rather know within a month of a guy that's like brand new and he's going, oh, I need this tool and I need that tool. Okay. So what? I spent $300 on tools and I found out the guy's not going to be a good employee and a good fit for sky heating. Wonderful. When you have guys that are rarely ever asking for a tool, you know they're a team player and they're working together. So this comes back into training too. Now let's say you've got a, a, a green helper. And, and before we got on the podcast, you asked me a little bit about training and how long it takes to get somebody in the field. Yeah. Let's say you've got a green guy and he comes on and you actually convince him to work for you. Now he goes to the lead helper or the lead installer and says, hey, I don't have X tool yet. Can I use yours? And the lead helpers or lead guys like, no, yeah. you can't use mine. You're going to break it. You're going to lose it. How much does that hamper the training of somebody that's new when the lead won't really train them because they're too fearful of their own loss? It really hampers it. I know. I mean, you can't learn unless you have your hands on the tools. Like, there's and no why way are you going to go buy a six hundred dollar refrigerant gauge if you don't know if this is even going to be the right, you know, right career for you? Yeah. So at least this way, it allows us to train people and bring them in faster too, because now they can go up the lead and lead goes, guess what? You break it. The boss buys it. Be careful with it. But they can very quickly tell how, how that person cares for company tools. And like I said, it costs us money. Yes. But what it saves us in return, I think we get at least a five to 10 X benefit on that from finding out who's not going to be a good employee from finding out who's not in it for the team, who is not in it for the customers, who doesn't want to work with other people. We find that out very quickly and sure it cost us 500 to a thousand dollars in the first month, but it's less expensive than four callbacks, 90 days down the road from, you know, drain pans clogged from somebody that doesn't care. And those issues pop up. And every time we've ever fired an employee over tool use and them not taking care of it, there have been major issues that have popped up from them down the road. And it just got us to take care of that faster the old adage of hire slowly, fire quickly, this helps you fire quickly. And in some cases, that is the best course of action. Absolutely agree with you on that 110%. So there's two burning questions in my mind. What happens when an employee quits or you fire them? Who keeps the tools? Are they coming back to you? Are you, you know, kind of giving in a, keeping an inventory of what you assign out? Mm -hmm. So we do loosely keep an inventory of everything that's assigned out. We have a standard toolkit, and when it goes out with them, they are to bring it back within 24 hours if it's lost or broken. We do use what we call the dollar bill policy. If a tool's broken, you've got to bring back 51% of it. If you don't bring back 51% of it, it wasn't broken, it's lost, and that's on you to replace. You know, We did have to file a theft report for one employee because he took some of our tools when he quit. And one of the other things that we say is that nobody ever quits sky heating. They fire us. And as soon as you change that mentality and say that employees didn't quit you, they fired you as the, the owner, you suddenly realize that you need to look at it in a different perspective because we as the owner can be fired. And when an employee looks at the company and says, all right, what might I be fired for? Their behavior changes. So as soon as you, the owner, look at it and go, this employee fired me today, 
Why did they fire me? What could I improve? And our tool policy actually came from somebody who fired us. They left and said, man, I, I just don't understand this. This is bullshit that I have to buy all my tools. Like, I don't think I want to be in this industry. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that I was kind of going, huh, how could we do that? And it yeah. wasn't until that person came with a computer that I said, all right, we need to do this. That's, that's a I'm very unique and good way, I think, of looking at it, particularly mm-hmm. in, you know, in an economic climate where it's very tough to find technicians. And, you know, are you giving them tools and employee benefits or health benefits on day one? That was kind of my other, you know, curious question. You know, you, you obviously said you're giving them 100% health coverage for them personally. Mm-hmm. Is this day one you sign up at Sky Heating? If Corey comes to work at Sky Heating on Monday, am I going to be getting, you know, a tool assignment and health benefits? So or do you have a waiting start, period? There is a waiting period. The health benefits start after 90 days. The retirement plan starts after the, the legal required limits, which there are some legal limits. We haven't even gotten into the retirement. Yeah, we haven't even gotten to that <laughs> stuff yet. You know, the tools are going to typically be after a couple of weeks, even if they're a, you know, 10-year, 20-year service technician or installer, they're still going to be riding with our team to understand our process, our service titan, our vehicles, and really get in with the culture before we start giving them tools because we're not going to give so many tools on the first day that they're like, oh, I love this. I get to go get some tools, go pawn them, and peace yeah. out. <laughs> we will file a police report. We've done it before. Don't try it. Yeah. <laughs> And we've only had to do it one time though, but we do vet them and do make sure they are a culture fit because above all else, somebody needs to make sure they fit our culture here because our culture is going to be different. It is very team oriented. Even amongst our sales team, while they're all shooting for their own individual goals, they're all working together on one unified sales goal where if one person fails, they all fail. Mm-hmm. And so for the end of the year, their sales goal is they all have to meet it together. And if one guy sells $1 and one guy sells the entire sales goal, everybody wins. So we have our top salesperson who will ride with other salespeople and vice versa. If it's a slower sales day, they'll all pair up and go on sales calls together. Even though the sales call is assigned to one person that gets the commission on that, they'll ride with each other so they can both work on their process and know that ultimately if that second person's on the sales call, we've seen it where team selling, the closing rate goes up and the average sale goes up. And they know that if the average sale goes up with that guy, That'll come back and reciprocate with them, plus it'll get them closer to their team goal. And we really have a different atmosphere in that aspect. So when somebody comes over and wants to be an individual of their own little island, I don't care how good they are, they're really not going to fit with our company. We just need to move on and say, you know, you should go work for someplace else that wants you just to go out and do your own thing and doesn't want you to train together and be on Zoom calls every week and, you know, getting together with, with employees outside of work at our company parties and company functions that we do. If that's not what you want to do, we're not a good fit and we're okay with that. I see. So you're kind of, you're using the annual sales goal essentially as a tool to keep everybody working together. Mm-hmm. And how often will people do the, you know, the kind of pairing up, right? Like you mentioned having two salespeople going together. Is that something that happens regularly or? Uh, not so regularly. It only happens when we're, we're slower. Or if the leads aren't that busy, if somebody doesn't have a lead for a day and you know, something cancels, something comes up, somebody reschedules, they'll call up another system designer and be like, hey, can I ride with you for the day? You know, mm-hmm. maybe this person has some more sales calls or they got a couple of referrals that were scheduled and just happens to be that slow time of the year. I would make sure they're a team. Our sales team also works with our service team so that our, our service team is in pods. And so multiple service techs will work with one system designer. We call them system designers instead of salespeople because their goal is to go out there and make a friend, not to make a sale. And while they're with their service techs, it's their goal to help their service techs and teach them how to provide the six options that Joe Crisara teaches with the, because 
company names now service MVP or contractor selling so that the service tech can also earn the most spiffs available. If they provide air quality when it's relevant and customized to the homeowner, they get a spiff for that. And it's up to the system designer to help their service techs do better. And the better their service techs do, the more leads they turn over. So they're all symbiotically tied together. Even with the management team, the bonuses for the management team are all tied together. So if one department's absolutely a rock star stellar department, another one's not doing so well, they need to all bring each other up. Or it could be that you know service drops their revenue to turn over more leads to install. Well, service shouldn't get harmed on their bonus because their revenue was down while installs was up. We should applaud them because the company went up. Company elevated. Man, that could be like a whole nother podcast topic, you know, <laughs> the whole kind of cross company bonus structure, you know, rounding this out here, let's hear more about what you guys got on the employee benefit side to kind of making Sky, yeah. you know, a top rated HVAC employer. What else do you got? I mean, we covered, we covered the health plan. We covered the tools. Mm-hmm. What else is going on behind the scenes at Sky? Okay, let's see if I can even hit on a few of those. The, the vision, dental is the only thing that we don't offer. We're still looking into that simply because I've never found a dental plan that makes sense. So instead, we, we work with them on the financial side. And speaking of the financial side, as we were talking about retirement plans, we use a simple plan where employees are vested from day one. So we do a 3% match, which is the legal limit on the plan that we offer. All they have to do is put in 3%. And we will put in the other 3%, but there is no 20, 40, 60, 80, 100% vesting period after five years. The day we put money into your plan, that is your money. And along with that, it actually comes with an investment advisor that will help you with your holistic plan. So they will do long-term financial planning, bringing into you know, paying off your house if that's what you want to do, alternative investments, investing in the stock market outside of this, college savings plans, how social security will play into your retirement because we want to make sure that people are comfortable in retirement and they're not working well beyond the years that they should be because they can't retire. We want to help them get to retirement so that we can provide kind of a whole career range for people here at Sky Heating. Along with the, you had something on the retirement plans there? (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask, what's your participation rate like in the retirement plan? I know in a lot of contracting businesses, you know, tradesmen have a very low kind of participation rate in these retirement plans. We had, say, 60 employees and less than 10 people actually participated in our simple IRA plan. Where are you guys at in terms of participation? Are you guys kind of around the same as me? No, company-wide, we're probably 50% and we're only 50% because we have so many new employees as we've been ramping up production. If you look at the people that are actually allowed to join in, we're in the 60 to 75% plus range. Almost everybody that that's can high. participate is participating. And that's because we actually bring in investment advisors. We bring them into the office. Recently, we haven't been able to do this because you can't have large scale company gatherings in our area. But we used to actually have a, a pizza party every October where we'd invite the families and invite the spouses in. And we'd have our insurance broker there. We'd have our investment advisor there. We'd have our supplemental insurance there. And all of them would be able to give presentations to our employees, which they love because that increases their performance. But it also increases our participation. And that participation is how you get your retention of your employees because if they switch companies, now they've got to switch health insurance. They've got to switch retirement plans. They've got to switch disability plans if they're even offered. So getting them all involved is a win-win-win situation. It's a win for the employee. Their spouse gets to be there so they can all make those decisions together and ask the questions. It's a win for the advisor that's selling us the plan because they get higher participation, make more, and it's a win for the company because we get the retention and the happier employee. I like it. So beyond the retirement plan, you guys got vision, no dental. I know dental just never, I've looked at that. That really doesn't make a lot of dollars a year yeah, <laughs> with a maximum of $2,000 in benefit. And most of them don't even get you a cleaning. And I always, instead of we talk to them and mention, here's how 
Yeah. Dental is way better if you just pay for it yourself. We actually have a couple of dentists we set them up with that are like $200 a year and they take care of the plans at the, the dentist offices since we can't buy those plans. From yeah, them. yeah. Dental, dental, dental is a weird animal. I mean, mm. you're providing vision, which is great. I mean, you know, if your eyes start going, it kind of, well, like any, I guess like any health related issue, it kind of hampers your overall quality, enjoyment of life, your ability to do mm-hmm. your job, really. And anything else we need to know about the employee benefits at Sky? So training is definitely a huge thing. We spend a lot of money on training. I think our training budget alone is almost $200,000 a year. We send employees to training. We've sent numerous people, whether it be technicians or system designers, to Joe Crisara's training in Florida, to his virtual trainings, to Los Angeles. Managers, CSRs, team leaders have all been sent to Nexstar trainings in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the last time I sent our managers, I got them all first-class tickets, and one of them even was asking, they said, why, why are there only two seats on each one of the rows on the plane? This seems like a really small plane to be a direct flight from Portland to Minneapolis. And I was like, well, just get on the plane. Now, these are low <laughs> numbers, too. They're like seats two and three. I've never sat in a seat two or three. Don't rows start at eight? And I'm like, yeah, depending on where you're sitting. Good and they surprise. get there, they're like, first class, we get free drinks, we get free, oh my gosh, all this stuff's taken care of. So, yeah, you know, even little things like that our little employee bonuses. We had a contest recently where one of our technicians won a Wagyu steak brisket mm-hmm. that they were able to smoke. Another technician, we bought Wagyu A5 ribeye steaks for. We've just done all sorts of little fun promotions, whether it be a gift card or something specific. We did the Wagyu steaks when there was you know, kind of some of the beef shortages. I was like, all right, if there's beef shortages, we're going to buy you guys the absolute best beef and show you what's available out there. We have a full 800 plus square foot training room as well, where we can train in real time. We've got multiple furnaces, multiple air handlers, ductless systems, heat pumps, air conditioners, all fully functioning and set up in our training room. How do you wrap the the training into kind of the course of business? I mean, is this something that you're using for green employees and they kind of go through your training program for a couple of weeks or... I mean, what does it look like at Sky? Is it something, you know, you're kind of coming back into monthly and pulling everyone in? Daily. We pull in installers. All of our installers come in every Monday. All of our salespeople and our service technicians come in on Tuesday. Managers come in on Wednesday. Sales team by itself on Thursday. So you get your sales team in the training room too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. They do technical training. We do our CSRs on Thursday afternoons. And then during the slower seasons, we do a full technical training instead of combining our technical and our customer service training. So typically Tuesday's customer service, Friday's technical. And then as we're in the busy season, Tuesday becomes half customer service and half technical. So we're not taking up that additional day. But even down to our CSRs, we bring our CSRs and our accounting people into the room and show them how static pressure works and how ductwork works. My CFO can tell you more about static pressure than the average person can and how this system is a bad duct design and the system is a good ductwork design because we want them to all understand these concepts. We want them to, when they're a CSR, to know what's the difference mm-hmm. between a heat pump and an air conditioner. Oh, it's this little valve inside. Yeah. Here's what it looks like. So when a customer's describing it to you, so even they go through technical training, but when it comes to green people, anybody from a green person to a, a lead tech, it could be that a, a, cust- you know, a customer has a callback and there was a, a newer tech on the call or even a seasoned tech and somebody else goes out to, let's say, that callback versus the original tech. They say, I don't want that same guy. He made a mistake. So our lead tech will go out there. The next day, he'll call up that technician and say, all right, you're meeting me at the shop at 7.30. And at 7.30, he and the other technician will go to the training room. They'll go work on a piece of equipment. He will cause that failure that caused that callback, show them the issues, and then make that tech work through those issues so that they can learn it without being under the customer's eye and scrutiny. Or instead of calling uh-huh. up saying, here's the issue, it's 
here's the problem, go fix it. I'm going to watch you and tell you what you did wrong or stop you if you make a mistake. So it could be as simple as that. We also have a 4K projector set up in there with an Apple TV so that as we're using a service Titan on our iPhones or iPads, one technician can go in there, pull up his iPad on the screen, and especially now more than ever, keep our social distance from each other instead of both sharing one iPad, and they can build systems in real time or work together on the back end of Service Titan and workflow, sharing that big screen. It can be everything to presentations, to recording trainings that we then put into a, a private YouTube channel. And then that private YouTube channel, we can do a duct design training, let's say, and then upload that into Service Titan so that only our employees have access to that. I like it. I like it. I like it. Was there a, was there a catalyst or kind of a turning point where like, Hey, we need to build out this actual training center. There was, and I can't, I was like, as soon as you start asking me that, I'm, I'm not going to remember why it was just one of those things. Like, and I think part of it is that our mission statement says that, you know, we are going to have the least callbacks in the industry by creating the ultimate customer service experience the first time. And we will do this by having the best trained technicians in the industry. And we also talk about in our vision statement, that we will provide ample and structured training. And I realized that we were doing pretty good training and we were pretty structured, but it could have been better. And we said, all right, if there's one key area of all of our mission, vision, culture, and value statement, what are we missing on? And we went, all right, we're always doing the rest of these things to a really high level, but our low hanging fruit is our training. We need to improve upon that. And I looked at the distributors and I'm like, they all have training rooms and we always rely on the distributor. Well, as we're switching from train to private label, what if we relied on ourselves for our training and brought that all in-house so that other companies wanted to come see us versus all of us sending our technicians out to a distributor training where people could be, you know, mm -hmm. talked to more, although we found out more so than not when we'd sent our technicians to training, they'd usually bring back other people because they'd see our, yeah, I was going to ask, wow. I mean, what was the problem with using distributor training or distributor training rooms? I mean, was there any issue with it? A lot of it was that they'd find out some of our secrets or the things that we're doing because they'd be like, wow, these kind of heating technicians are doing this. They're doing that. Wow. They're taking static pressure on every call, including their salespeople. Of course, now I've said it on the podcast, but <laughs> even our salespeople are taking static pressure readings on systems to make sure that they work appropriately. And next thing you know, other companies were doing it. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned our wraps. People in our area weren't wrapping vehicles and sure they could see them on the road. Next thing you know, you see four or five sky heating wrap vehicles show up at a training room and five other companies in their white lettered vehicle. And they're like, wow, I kind of want to go work for that company. We just didn't want people seeing all of that stuff and all of the benefits. We kind of wanted to keep it to ourselves, and we're, we're very fine on finding employees. We don't need a whole lot every once in a while. Yeah. We're, we could use another service technician right now, but overall we said, you know what, let's bring it in house because we can make it more relevant, more specialized, make it work in with our processes versus saying, here's the 30,000 foot view, figure out how to make it work for sky heating. We just train on the sky heating way from the get-go. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So Travis, we're about out of time here. Let me ask you one final thing. You know, you're doing a lot of great things for your employees in keeping sky heating, one of the best places to work for, you know, in the HVAC industry. What do you have up your sleeve? What's next? What do you guys think you could do better? Or what do you want to roll out in the next year or two? Plumbing and electrical. I actually just finished up with our concept design. So let's see if I can get my hand right. <laughs> backwards. On the sky heating and air conditioning, we are working on a few new divisions for plumbing electrical. We don't have anything done yet, but we would love to add both a plumbing and electrical so we can be a full service. We already have the, mm -hmm. the ductless only division over here, which is a division of sky heating. So we're sky heating, air conditioning, and ductless since ductless in some parts of the country is absolutely nothing. And in our part of the country, it's probably 20 to 25% of our business. So as we add on services, 
are also our marketing. I'm by no means a good marketer. I'm not the best salesperson. I think I'm decent at uh, running a company, taking care of employees, but we need to up our marketing so that we can really own this market as part of our value statement to be the most recognized heating contractor in our area. And uh, we've made some major changes there that we'll be seeing coming up in the future too, but we are always evolving. We're never stopping. We're always going to be training on our our processes, our procedures, the best way to do things, the best way to take care of customers. And if I'm allowed one final thought, I will say this. Let's hear it. When people look at their their customer base and they look at their technicians, I think this is another area where people get it backwards. And this is pure math. I'm no math genius. I just do simple addition and subtraction. But if you have, let's say, just for round numbers, 10 employees and a customer base of 10,000 people, so many times a company will go to the ends of the earth to try and take care of a customer that's frankly, ridiculous and being an asshole. And we're the opposite. If we have 10 employees, why are we going to subject our employees to dealing with somebody that's ridiculous, that is unwilling to work with us, that probably shouldn't be our customer, to sacrifice possibly one employee? And in that case, one employee is worth 1,000 customers. You'd have to piss off or you'd have to fire 1,000 customers because of an employee before that employee doesn't become more valuable. So we need to make sure that we treat our employees with that aspect and that if they need to say, this guy is fired as a customer, we're not servicing them. They're over my shoulder. They're swearing at me. They're talking badly to people on the phone. They're threatening bad reviews over the little things. That we yeah, don't you can't price deal with that. You go, can't make your employees. Here's deal. your money. Fire them as a customer. You don't need to go back to that house ever again. And I think that allowing them to have that empowerment is, is truly something special and that we need to take into consideration is that the customer is not always right that we need to take care of the employee first and they will take care of the customers. And sometimes we just need to fire that customer. Great words, Travis, man. And thank you for joining us today on the Contractor Momentum Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Contractor Momentum Podcast. If you got something helpful or useful out of this podcast episode, do me a favor here. Pick up your phone, open up the podcast app, whichever one you use, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and give us a review. I love hearing your feedback. And of course, if you have any questions for my guest or myself, head on over to the Contractor Momentum Lounge Facebook group and drop a new post.